Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Establish the Collection. I am Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman, fresh off a trip, a bachelor party trip from Vegas. Gary, back in New York City, back for the football grind. How was your trip in Vegas? It was good, man. Episode 20, here we are, big milestone. Uh, Vegas was great for my own bachelor party, had a fantastic time. So, you know, it's been a week-long recovery process, but here we are on Friday night, and I think I think I'm ready to go. So uh, excited for the rest of the football season here. I feel like you're way too young for a week long recovery period <laughs> from Vegas. Like you gotta you gotta bounce right back, man. Do you do you have any any uh, suitable for work stories you can share yeah, with sure. the audience from Vegas? Sure, I think our audience will appreciate this one. So Sunday, we um, I was nine nine guys. We had a VIP section at the Westgate Sportsbooks, like the biggest sportsbook in the world, to watch football. We had a great time. We wanted one bet that we could all go in on. So. We, were, we, had, we had the table for the entire day, so we decided to go in on Tyler Higby over 39 and a half receiving yards, as DeGen as it gets, right? And all of us got in on it. We probably, amongst the nine of us, we had like four or five grand on this bet total. Uh, and he hit it easy on like a 26-yard reception in the third quarter. That whole place must have thought we were just on drugs or something. I mean, we were <laughs> we went insane for Tyler Higby receiving yards. So uh, that was just a little bit of the kosher side of our trip. But we uh, it, was, it was a great time, man. And... and um, you know, won, won some money on football, lost some money in the casino, but overall came back strong. My first trip to Vegas was my batch party, and it, it was awesome. Yeah, Tyler Higby, sharp bet. Like as, yeah, as our friend Adam Levitan noted on on Twitter, 100% of snaps. Exactly. An absolute sex role for Tyler Higby, the tight end in Los Angeles. Nice bet. Yeah. Nice bet. Yeah, good we work, were pumped buddy. about it. We were pumped about it. It, it, was the, it was the good group bet. We it, it was some good juju going on with that one. All right, excited excited to get into DFS. We're going to talk a little bit of week two DFS. We're going to try and build a lineup here at the end of the show for a very special reason, as we'll we'll uh, give to you guys here in a second. But before we get into football, before we get into week one takeaways, before we get into week two and beyond, want to give Gary a second to catch the people up on F1. People have been clamoring for an F1 update on Twitter, on the Establish the Run Collectibles Discord. People want to know what's going on in the F1 world. So, Gary... I'm going to, I'm going to limit, limit you to 60 seconds. Okay, no, good. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You got, no, you got more you know than what? 60, you got more than 60 seconds, but give me an F1 update if you would. 60 seconds is good because we just came back from Monza in Italy. The temple of speed is what they call it. And uh, it was quite the race resulting with the highlight. Unfortunately, un, uh, you know, we, we would like to say the highlight was the winner and the runner up, but the highlight really was another contact between the, the current, uh, championship leader in Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, the GOAT. Uh, they collided once again, took themselves out of the race. This is the second time this happened in four or so races. It last happened in Silverstone in England. And now the the, the, the race between these two is as tight as ever. Verstappen was uh, awarded a, a, a grid penalty, so he's going to have to start further back in the next race. But basically, this is one of the craziest seasons ever by what well, you can kind of compare it to a LeBron Kobe. Uh, you can compare Verstappen to Luca, kind of, of where he may be in the current uh, you know, status of F1, but we have a nose-on-nose race. And meanwhile, we are just coming off the heels of what F1 calls silly season. It's basically their NBA offseason. Players move, you know, drivers move around, but they do it right in the middle of the season. So basically, Mercedes which has Lewis Hamilton has the goat. They've been the, they have been the constructor, the goat. They've won the constructors championship for, uh, I believe the last six or seven seasons. They basically said to Valtteri Bottas, who is Lewis Hamilton's driving partner, you're out of here. We're bringing in the hot young kid, George Russell. Shout out to me. I said, let's all buy George Russell <laughs> about six, seven weeks ago. And I hope you did because his market literally four or five X that, uh, wow. that week leading up to hit. I mean, I was selling his base Sapphire stuff for like, uh, between 80 and a hundred dollars that week. I sold him for 350, $380. Wow. So 
you know, that stuff's going to be hot. They are looking forward to the future while Lewis Hamilton's career is still going strong, but might be coming towards the twilight of that career. So uh, just a lot of fun happening in F1. The box prices went way up. F1 Sapphire Chrome boxes went up from like anywhere from 800 to 1,000 a box to 1,000 to $1,400 per box. So the market is hot. F1's here to stay. Uh, and all I've heard about is more and more U United States people, you know, United States citizens getting into F1, watching that Netflix docuseries. Um, you know, it's a strong market and it's, it's very exciting. And we're right, you know, we got, we're at the last third of the season right now. So. Yeah, we stuff. just talked about this before we came on, like the, the the podcast that I listen to and many of you probably listen to the Dan Levitard show. One of the gals on the, on the Levitard show is obsessed with f1 yeah. and and that's one of the biggest podcasts one of the biggest sports podcasts in america so okay so so we've got about a third of the season left right so yeah. what what's the next couple of months look like for anybody for the uninitiated for anyone trying to get into the f1 hobby what's what's the next couple of months look like for them yeah, so we are off this week, and then they're back for a race next Sunday. Um, you know, especially everyone that is like us, that you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're a big fantasy, big DFS player, get up a little bit earlier on Sundays. You're probably going to get up to start setting your DFS lineups anyway. Mm -hmm. If you get up even a little bit earlier than that, I'm talking like 7, 8, 9 a.m., depending on where the race is, you can catch that F1 race. Uh, we are going to be in for a tight, tight, the tightest battle you could possibly imagine between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen to win the championships race, and as well as Red Bull and Mercedes, the teams that they race for for the constructor championship as well as you'll just see a bunch of fun storylines as people start to leave teams we know where people are moving uh george russell is the guy I just brought up this is literally the second best card you could possibly have of him this is his red uh variation out of five sapphire card i'm sending this out to get graded as you can see it's in the card saver here uh you could look for him as he is going to end his career with williams and move to mercedes next year to drive alongside lewis hampton and there's just there are storylines galore. There's competition galore. And I would say if you still haven't up to this point, check out the Netflix docuseries and get into it because from a card market perspective, there's money to be made here. That's for sure. So not only will your spouse hate you for waking up at 10 a.m. and starting to build lineups for DFS for that Sunday right. as it goes into 11 a.m. And, and noon and 1 p.m. And then all of a sudden you're watching football for seven hours. Just get up a couple hours earlier. Ignore your spouse. Ignore your fiance. Ignore your girlfriend. Settle down on the couch. 7 a.m. It all kicks off. F1 racing. All no right, better warm up. up. No better warm up than a Grand Prix. <laughs> start start pre-gaming at seven o'clock. Right. All right. The people came for football. We've got a week under our belts. And as someone that's been writing uh, showdown slate after showdown slate, uh, shout out to me if you guys haven't checked out the showdown product <laughs> on the site, all of the DFS product on the site. I mean, it's been it's been absolutely incredible so far. So go check that out. Establishedrun.com. Subscribe weekly, monthly, season whatever you want to do, but but uh, I highly encourage you, if you're here for the card content, you're probably somebody like us who's a bit of a degenerate, wants to gamble anyway. What better way to do that than DFS, weekly fantasy sports, so go check that out. But uh, you know, having a data point under our belt at this point gives us a whole lot of information to talk about, uh, whether it confirms our prior thoughts uh, heading into the season or whether we need to make some changes now that we've, we've got a week of, of information beneath us. So why don't we kick it off with some of the biggest takeaways from week one and what that means going forward. We're going to try and keep it to quarterbacks because if we, you know, if we go real deep into skill positions here, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to be here for over an hour, which we probably are anyway. Um, let's kick it off with Russ because the Seahawks kind of let Russ cook a little bit and, yep. and not in the sense that he dropped back 50 plus times in their game against the Colts, but they let him cook in the sense that he threw for four touchdown passes 254 yards, was 18 for 23, threw an absolute gem of a week one game with Shane Waldron. Uh, they dropped back on 42% of situation neutral pass plays, which again, not a crazy amount of pass plays, but they were pretty much in control of this whole game. 
the one thing that I do want to take away from Russell Wilson's week one performance and, and something that I'm encouraged about going forward is that uh, Waldron did utilize play action pass on 43% of Wilson's dropbacks, which is huge. Absolutely. Anyone that's been paying attention, we know the pa- uh, play action is really big for quarterbacks efficiency. We know the play action is great for them uh, putting up numbers, obviously great sign for Russell Wilson with new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. Do you have any takeaways from Russ's first game? Anything you're looking at going forward with this card market? It's pretty. It's it's been relatively flat since yeah. that first one. That since that week one game, and I think we've actually seen him improve a little bit as far as MVP odds go. I think we can take away some some things from from Waldron's first game as offensive coordinator that we should feel really good about for the next 16 games. Yeah, my main takeaway is that the Waldron effect is in full effect, and it looks good so far, right? And here's what I would say. You you just said that Russell Wilson market has stayed pretty flat. That is good news. If you're still looking to buy Russell Wilson, I will say, uh, I hope this episode gets out before kickoff for 4.05 Eastern time on Sunday because uh, he has another fantastic environment coming up this Sunday, I believe, at home against Tennessee, who looked just absolutely lost. Yeah. And we know their defense is not very good. Uh, and I believe that that game has a 54-point over-under. Russ is definitely one of my favorite DFS quarterbacks this week. There's no way around it. And I think that, you know, those MVP odds, if you want to get in on that, uh, I would say now is the time. You know, the same thing we talk about with card markets, opportune uh, times to get in on these things. It applies for those types of things. And I think now is the time to keep buying on Russ where, you know, we're about to have another what is it appears to be a soft game where I believe he should put up big numbers again. I think that play action, uh, effective play action game calling will continue to, to thrive. And I'm in on Russ. I'm in a Metcalf and I'm in on Lockett. Uh, very excited to see. Uh, what this Seahawks team can do for the rest of the season. Definitely excited to just see, uh, you know, what I hope to be a let Russ cook for the the entirety of the season. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm bullish on Russ from DFS, fantasy, and card market. Yeah, exactly. Speaking to those MVP odds, he moved up, uh, now has the fifth best odds, uh, aggregate odds for MVP behind Mahomes, Stafford, Brady, and Kyler Murray, the, the guy that just cooked up that uh, Tennessee Titans secondary. So he does get that week two matchup against that same secondary Murray had 289 yards and four TDs through the air, 38 total points for that Cardinals offense. Again, I think, as you mentioned, you know, DFS this week, uh, MVP odds, card market, very exciting for Russ's market, I think, at this point. Uh, looking ahead even further for if, if you're looking to buy Russ now and hold through the season or even longer, Seattle's got a 69, a very nice 69% chance of making the playoffs per our friends at PFF. <laughs> They've got the 10th easiest remaining schedule. Uh, you know, I, I think that we're looking at this point uh, going into week two. Hopefully you guys are listening to this this podcast before the Sunday kickoff, as Gary mentioned. But I think going into week two, this is the cheapest we're going to see Russ the rest of I the agree. season. I agree. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he's going to come down from here. I'm really, really, really bullish on Waldron and his effective play calling. Obviously, Russ is a baller. He just needed somebody to help help kind of magnify that, if you will. So yeah, I, I just f- firmly believe that this is the cheapest you're going to get Russell Wilson the rest of the season. So if you if you want to if you were waiting for a time to buy, I would suggest not waiting any longer. I agree. And that said, if you're listening to this after Sunday and you own some Russ Capital, uh, you know, see how he did. I hope he I hope he did what we're expecting on Sunday. You know, take a look as he continues to grow here on this season. But you will have selling opportunities, I believe, as the Russell Wilson train continues to roll. Uh, you know, throughout this 2021 season, no doubt about it. All right, Russell Wilson balled out week one. Very excited about his performance. A guy that kind of struggled, uh, surprisingly struggled, Josh Allen. Um, you know, his his card market was still up slightly. His prism base, PSA 10, was up about 10% after week one's dud. I, I don't know what to take away from the week one loss. Despite 
Pitt kind of handling that game and Josh Allen not looking like the Josh Allen that we saw in 2020, uh, I, I'm not really panicking at this point yet. Uh, Buffalo still ranked ninth in situation neutral pass rate. We know this offense is going to want to throw as much as possible when Brian Dable is calling plays. They've got the league's sixth softest softest schedule from here on out with an 80% chance to make the playoffs. Again, I think we're, we're going to see Josh Allen playing a meaning, meaningful games at the end of the season. Uh, it was a little bit concerning to see him struggle in week one, but you know, I don't, I don't know that we should take too much away from that performance given the sample that we have from last year on just how good that offense was. I don't know. Did you see anything different from there, that, that kind of Buffalo dud against Pittsburgh? No, not panicking. I think that Steelers defense will be that good. I think they will carry them to a nice season, even if that, even if Roethlisberger is well past his prime. And I think that's just what happened on week one. They were caught on their toes a little bit and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not panicking at all with Josh Allen. And you know, if anything, uh, I, I expect a real bounce back this week, and I know it may not be the t- easiest matchup against Miami, but if you go back and look at those stats against Miami last year, uh, I was just trying to, 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 to scrounge around for him, but I don't have him in front of me. But uh, Josh Allen, I believe, as I was doing some DFS prep this week, just torched the Dolphins last year. And I think coming off that loss, uh, he, you know, I think we can expect more of the same uh, as far as a statistical performance this coming week against Miami. I expect him to bounce back strong. He's still one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, long-term, short-term, DFS-wise, card market-wise. Um, I'm in on Allen. You know, as far as a selling, selling opportunity, you probably had that leading up to the season here as the hype continued to grow. I would probably be a hold on Josh Allen for right now. Definitely no panic, though, uh, on Allen. No, not, none at all. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, all right, next guy up that we wanted to take away from week one, Kyler Murray, the guy that we just talked about who torched that Tennessee Titans secondary. You know, Kyler Murray was one of those guys that probably saw the biggest boost from his week one performance. His base PSA 10 market was up over 17% over the last two weeks. A nice boost for him after he showed that he could get things done against Tennessee. I know we we just did our dibs episode last week, which seems like forever ago now that we've got a full week of NFL action underneath our belts. But uh, I think that was your second or third round pick. It was. It was. Yeah, absolutely. So shout out, shout out second to you. Round. You're yeah, you're you're doing real well there. Um, yeah, I think your biggest question on that podcast was was whether Cliff Kingsbury would hold that right. offense back. And now that they've got Rondell Moore. Now that they've got A.J. Green, say what you will about his age and if he's dust or or completely washed at this point. But I think that offense can finally run four wide. I think they can finally stretch the field a little bit. I think even with Chase Edmonds now and James Conner in the backfield, they can they can afford to send Chase Edmonds out wide. I really like what Cliff Kingsbury did in week one with that offense. Um, you know, keep keep in mind, this game got out of hand early. Uh, very early, if you will, because because the Titans offense just couldn't put anything together with that with that Cardinals defense. But uh, encouraging sign that the Arizona Cardinals offense still dropped back to pass on 78% of their offensive plays, despite the the wild score that we saw from them. So I think Cliff wants to let Kyler cook, and I think he's finally got the offense to do that. Um, do you think that Cliff finally has the offense to fully unlock Kyler's potential? You know, I think Cliff is at least not holding them back too much. And I think <laughs> what we're seeing here is a fully unleashed Kyler Murray in year three, fully healthy uh, with a array, an array of weapons. And it's scary. It's scary for the rest of the league, man. Yeah. There's a reason There's a reason that he was the third uh, fantasy quarterback from an ADP perspective coming into this year. And we're seeing it. And like we were seeing this, you know, we were seeing flashes of this before the shoulder injury last year, uh, before the middle of the season. And I mean, now... You know, if if that's just a preview of what we're going to get for this year, and I get that the Titans, you know, uh, they, they played the Titans last week. But I get that they were um, just kind of dust, but you know, wh- whatever it may be, he looks good to me. I'm excited about Kyler. He's had a strong market since he's come out. Obviously, number one overall pick, flashy yeah. player. Um, 
you know, and I think that that market has stayed strong. I think you can kind of take and leave Kyler throughout the season how you want to deal with it. Like, I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation as so long as that Cardinals team competes. And I think that he's going to be a fantasy stud. We've mentioned the the correlation between fantasy success and card market success. Um, I'm sending this guy in to get created to PSA. This is a first off the line Kyler Murray contenders yeah. autograph. Um, and it looks perfect to me. Uh, I've had it card. ready to go, just waiting for the PSA uh, submissions to go down a little bit. I believe the express tier just dropped slight, slightly from 200 to 150. So uh, I will be sending that card in as well with that George Russell card. And, you know, if if I feel like the time is right to flip the season, I'll do it because I, I think we're going to get peak Kyler Murray this over the next season or two here in year three and four, uh, fully, fully healthy. Two interesting things that I think uh, I want to have you touch on that you brought up PSA express to your real uh, is dropping from 200 to 150 right yeah. i want you i want to get your take on that but more importantly on kyler murray's market and what cards you would be targeting if you're somebody that's trying to buy kyler murray before that mvp ascension if that's to happen uh we're, we're seeing his base psa 10 pop counts already up to 2300 just compare that to uh, a guy from a class prior in josh allen his base psa 10s at 1100 uh, you know, Russell Wilson back from 2012, his tops Chrome. Now keep in mind that 2012 class had tops and Panini, his tops Chrome pop count is at 1090. So we're, we're just going to see, you know, and this is to be expected. We're going to see those pop counts on this 2019, 2020, 2021 class get pretty high for their base cards. If you were targeting a Kyler Murray card at this point, if you were buying, what type of cards are you looking for? Yeah, so I've spoken about these cards a little bit in the past. I love the select field level silvers or colors. Um, the field, so select, they break them down into the concourse and they have another one, uh, you know, the premier level and then the field level. So they have three basically base variations of the card and they make all those cards in the silvers and the colors as well. The field level is what's the shortest printed of those three. At, to me, it has the sleekest design. I love the look of that card. And I'm looking at card letter right now. The Kyler select field level only has a pop of 426, the, the, the mm -hmm. silver. So, you know, that card now at card ladder is showing up as a $918 card as it shot up after his performance in week one. You could have grabbed that uh, right at the end of the offseason for the 750 to 850 range. Oh, wow. So, you know, we're seeing a $100 increase almost on that card at the minimum, but that's the kind of card that I'm looking at. I want to find select, maybe even optic colors. I want to find stuff with lower pop that isn't as sexy of a name as Prism but will hold as long-term value to me. Now, if you could swim in those National Treasure streets, God bless you, uh, if you could afford it, I think that's a pretty safe play if you think you could stay healthy. Now, we always know, you know, these running quarterbacks, they, they run the risk of injury. But, you know, if you are convinced that he could stay healthy, I do think we have a year or two period here where we're going to see Pete Kyler Murray. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But, you know, contenders autographs like the ones I just showed and select optic, that might be where I'm looking instead of prison with the high pop and, you know, kind of diluted streets. Okay, and on, and on PSA real quick, for anyone that was ripping wax or getting into box breaks or, you know, buying their own packs during this kind of this kind of run up over the last couple of months, last year even, before uh, PSA shut down, now that they're starting to slowly reopen, now that the express levels dropped a little bit, do you want to just give a quick re-update on what type of cards you would be sending in for this express level or, you know, maybe even a quick primer again for anyone that's new on grading techniques or what you know what you should be doing before you send cards in just just real quick 
Yeah. I mean, if you're just trying to get anything that you like or you think has long-term value slabbed up, you know, you're still not going to PSA or BGS right now. BGS yeah. is way, way, way backed up. I believe they just talked about the industry summit that they still have like 16 months worth of backup. BGS wow. is in worse shape than PSA really ever was right now. So that Kyler Murray card, because I like sending autographs cards to Beckett, was probably something that would have sent to Beckett previously. That's not happening right now. Um, I think you have to evaluate each card as you want. If you Again, what I'm trying to say is if you want to just send something in, uh, I'm not a huge fan of SGC, but they're the ones still with the cheapest prices, quickest turnaround, and they do have a resale market. It's Again, it's going to be about half the price of that PSA market, but it does have it, and it's growing slightly. Uh, so that is where I'm going if you're just trying to, you're trying to get anything slabbed up. But if you are sending something in that you think has sustaining long-term value and is already worth more than, let's say, $200, because it's not going to be worth that $150 you know, price to just send it in and then express here. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, then I'm cool. Go to PSA and you'll get it back within a reasonable time. Those two cards that I just said, the George Russell showed the George Russell and the Kyler Murray. Obviously those are cards that are both going to be well over four figures, just raw. So, you know, that makes sense to spend that 150 and get that whatever incremental value it will uh, go up if it does great. So that's what you got to do with grading. You know, every card's different. If you have any specific questions, feel free to hit us up in the Discord. Uh, if you're a subscriber, uh, hit me up in the DMs. I'd be happy to, to give any advice as far as grading is concerned. Very good advice, as I imagine PSA continues to slowly reopen and slowly bring prices down a little bit. Uh, speaking of, of newer classes, boxes that were just being ripped, Jalen Hurts, no one's card market saw a bigger boost in week one or following week one than Jalen Hurts. Tough to find a cleaner box score for somebody, too, especially from a DFS perspective. Went 27 of 35. 264 yards, three touchdowns, added 62 yards on the ground on seven rushing attempts. You know, I think he looks like a pretty good fit. I don't want to take too much away from a, a matchup against a Falcons team that looks like they might just outright be tanking or yeah. not able to compete in the league. But, uh, you know, he's another guy, extremely pass-heavy in neutral situations, dropped back on 70% of plays while the game was within, within one score. I think the biggest question, if you're looking to buy Hertz now, which I think we may have already missed the window if we weren't buying this offseason or prior to week one, the biggest question is, does this short-term value sustain? Or do we see this Eagles team struggle? Um, do we see them not contend for games come January? Uh, you know, what what does what the, the rest of season outlook look like for someone like Jalen Hurts? Should people that are holding Jalen Hurts now be looking to sell? Should they hold? Should we still be trying to buy Jalen Hurts before the full-blown eruption happens uh, heading into the rest of the season? Where, where are we at on Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it's hard to speculate on a guy like Jalen Hurts for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, the Eagles did not have any expectations coming into the season. He comes out super, super hot in week one in a soft matchup. And, you know, I don't think anyone expected the Falcons to look that bad, but hey, they did. And he capitalized. He's got a couple of young receivers that look to look the part so far and like Rager and, and Smith and a couple of good tight ends. And the other thing that, that makes that this difficult is right now his base PSA 10 is only at a pop of 343, and I, we know that's going to continue to go up, right? Those orders yeah. are still coming back in. People definitely sent those in back in the Super Express uh, a year ago. So, you know, that will continue to go up. The other thing with Hertz is we, ha we have no idea what the rest of the season will look like for, for someone like Hertz. But if it does continue to go along this path, uh, he is someone that meets the criteria of hobby success. You know, uh, we, we've seen these dual threat quarterbacks in big markets have success previously. So to me, this is an opinion thing. If you think Jalen Hurts is that guy, if you think Jalen Hurts has a long-term NFL career, if you think the Deshaun Watson offseason noise was just that noise and they're fully committed and this is what they're building around and you believe in Nick Sirianni and, and you know, all that good stuff, full free, invest in Hurts. 
if if I have Jalen Hurts personally, I want to see how he does this coming week in a matchup that is supposed to be in the preseason schedule, a tough one against the Niners. However, if you look at what the Eagles just did, they're home, mm-hmm. West traveling east. Um, the Niners in that second half at least looked very gettable on the defensive end. So, yeah. you know, a, a, if he performs in this game, you might have real selling windows. So, you know, again, to me, it's an opinion thing. Whatever you feel like with Hurts, in the pot, just know that the pop reports will continue to go up. All right, another guy, before we get into some more questionable names, another guy that I'm bullish on after week one, and and week one didn't really change my opinion. I think this was kind of expected. Uh, Baker Mayfield lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland lost at Arrowhead. I don't think that was really all that surprising of an outcome. I didn't really see anything from Baker Mayfield to have me concerned. Uh, I think the biggest concern would be the fact that Odo Beckham is yet to return to the field. Obviously not a good sign. The fact that they're running out you know, behind Jarvis Landry, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz is out. So the receiving core gets really thin behind Jarvis Landry. So hopefully we get a quick return from Odo Beckham. But uh, the biggest takeaway for me regarding Baker Mayfield and the Browns is the fact that they're still favored to win the AFC North. We have some concerns about Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens that we'll get to here in a second. But they've got the softest schedule, according to PFF remaining in the league so i feel really good if there's going to be a short-term buying window for somebody like baker mayfield or if you're holding just continue to hold no reason to get concerned uh his market fell a little bit recently over the last couple of months down around 10 percent, but it's held pretty flat just his base market um yeah baker baker's a guy that i'm still interested in i think he's going to be playing in meaningful games come december january and maybe they make a deep playoff push you know i i don't know if that team's got this type of ceiling to compete with the buffalo bills and the kansas city chiefs teams but um an afc team that i'm very excited about baker very excited about you know charismatic guy i think that hopefully as we talked about throughout the offseason uh a a team that continues to pass more often than they run and he becomes less of a game manager more of a a playmaker so any thoughts on baker mayfield after week one expectation where we kind of thought they they wouldn't have the ponies to get past the chiefs yeah not much to add on baker i think he hit the nail on the head with that whole analysis he held his own against kc they were in that game throughout uh they have a, a matchup coming up this week where they're heavily favored and i i would think maybe you'll have you know because he he kind of took a huge spike at the end of the offseason as people were anticipating this browns team and then it quickly steadied out it looks like i, I think you'll see that maybe come to fruition again as they maybe get, develop a big lead and we've seen more of a nick chubb game coming up here i think you'll see little peaks and valleys with baker throughout the season but to me He's a buy still. This Browns team has a fight, a bright future. He's at least a buy until that playoff-ish time comes. Perfect. All right, we've we've been bullish on the guys that we just talked about. There's a few guys here in in the, the rest of this group that I think we may have at least some questions about, uh, at least a discussion to be had. I am curious about your thoughts on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a guy when we did our last buy segment a few episodes ago that I know you were buying and had already bought. Um, his card market we thought would respond accordingly when he he got back to action and looked good doing so was healthy but even his market is down about 16 percent over the last three months his pop report continues to to rise as we talked about on his his base prism psa 10 i think my biggest concern and, and leone posted this with his pass rate over expectation metric on twitter is the Bengals weren't a pass heavy team in week one despite right. a close game Despite what we thought coming into the season, we thought they'd be extremely pass heavy with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and and that offense that we expected to be explosive. So I'm curious, is that a sign that Zach Taylor is is hiding Joe Burrow that the offense isn't ready? Should we be concerned about Joe Burrow? Are are you uh, you know are you throwing in the towel at this point after one week of action with Joe Burrow, or is this is this just another con- op- opportunity to continue to buy before his market responds to better performances coming up? 
Yeah, to me, it's the latter. Uh, I think that was more of a result of them easing him back in, obviously, mm -hmm. off the traumatic injury. We've heard the reports out of camp that he was a little shaky on the knee. Um, but to me, I was encouraged with what I saw. You know, we held in there the entire game. We know that offensive line isn't very good. They, they squeaked out the win. Uh, and yeah, I think they were excited about where Mixon was as a player and were happy to lean on him for this game, uh, resulted in him being the perfect in the perfect lineup for G for, you know, GPP winning uh, DraftKings lineups, which, you know, good, good for Joe Mixon. But I think we will see plenty of big Joe Burrow dynamic days as they're going to be playing from behind in many matchups this season. Uh, I am still a buy on Burrow. I will be very upfront, though. I'm looking for the right opportunity to sell Burrow throughout the season. Uh, the buys that I made on Burrow for the offseason were not necessarily for long term. I was trying to capitalize on the injury. I'm looking forward to the point where he is, you know, putting up those big numbers, even the Jared Goff type numbers that we saw this past week uh, in kind of comeback type games. And we just know that he could be that explosive player with great weapons around him. And I'm excited about what Burrow could do for the season, at least from a, a statistical perspective. Yeah, and I fully agree with you. Be be very mindful about your buying slash selling windows when you're getting involved in somebody like Burrow. Like the this Bengals team is not built for the now. He might have short-term short term spikes in his card market, but uh, if you're looking to invest as somebody that like is going to make a playoff push or MVP race like that, you're you're considering buying him for years. You know what I mean? Like you're you're not buying him to flip at the end of the year. You're you're buying him to hold for a couple of years until this team is ready ready to contend and has enough pieces around him to support what he can do. A right. uh, guy that I've been high on in that same class with Tua. Tagovailoa, uh, you know, they, they go to Foxborough, they get the win. But I think, you know, and this this is a, this is something we want to talk about today with rookie quarterbacks. I think that Mac Jones might have outplayed Tua despite losing. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit concerned about Tua and, and more so just based off of how his market has responded, even with Miami going up to Foxborough, getting the W. His market is down about 25 percent over the past couple of months. They're also going to be without Will Fuller for an undisclosed period of time. Uh, shout out to Will Fuller. Sounds like he's he's dealing with some personal stuff right now. So hopefully he takes the time that he needs, but obviously not good for Tua. I think there's there's one good takeaway for me, maybe two, and that is uh, ESPN has a good metric for uh, defining offensive line play, and that's pass block win rate. And they actually ranked about league average or a little bit above league average against what I think is a pretty good Patriots defensive line and a Patriot good, pretty good Patriots defense as a whole. So they ranked 13th in ESPN's pass block win rate in week one. I think that's hopefully a good sign, maybe some continuity there for that offensive line. Maybe they can continue to play well. More importantly, they have one of the league's softest remaining schedules. I think they might actually be a good bet to make the playoffs as a wild card. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not fully hitting the panic button on Tua, but I just think that enough of the card market might be yeah. uh, questioning his upside that they're just selling at this point. I don't think there's enough people buying into Tua's upside like we've got with Burrow, like we've got with uh, obviously Justin Herbert uh, in a whole different stratosphere like we've got with Hertz. I think he might kind of be the forgotten guy of that class. Uh, so I'm really hoping that he can turn things around, especially from, you know, kind of a, a numbers perspective, too, because if he just wins these game management style games, uh, I don't think it's going to get people very excited. So uh, can you can you talk me off the to a ledge at all as I'm as I'm starting to slightly panic? Yeah, I'll just say what you just said well, it was was correct. We'll need to see more than these game management style type games for Tua's market to ever uh, start to increase. I'll say this, as a Tua buyer, somebody like you uh, that is interested in Tua, I think that the best thing that could have happened with this is him, you know, coming off a at least subpar eye test performance uh, in week one and now coming to face a Bills team that didn't expect to lose in week one and did. So I think we yeah. might see bottom 
for Tua coming off this week if I think the Bills will do what, what I expect the Bills to do against Miami this week, which is uh, go out and win that game pretty convincingly. Uh, I know that those AFC East matchups aren't always that easy, uh, but I'm kind of bullish on the Bills this week. So, you know, if if they if it does go that way and the Bills win that game by a score or more and Tua kind of tries to claw his way back but doesn't, uh, you might have one more week here where we might hit a bottom for Tua and then hopefully that soft schedule opens up for him. He's able to kind of propel his team on the back instead of kind of trying to tread water to wins and you will see Tua's market try to go up. I, I'm, you know, again, we can't overreact to week one too much. There's so much more football to be played. Yeah. There are, you know, you know, again, these teams, what did Belichick always say about the first three or four weeks of the season that it was just extended preseason? You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we know very little uh, about what these teams really look like yet. And, um, you know, if you were bullish on someone in the, in the off season, there's no reason to, to fully hit a panic button yet. <sighs> <laughs> All right, I can take a deep breath. I'll take a step back from the ledge. I'm not selling any Tua yet. <laughs> uh, I'm going to continue to hold on to a, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I, I don't want to react, overreact, and especially them taking a game that I wasn't fully expecting them to win in Foxborough. Good sign. Uh, yeah, I just I just hope we get more uh, more opportunities for Tua to put up numbers alongside those victories. All right, a guy, a guy that I just wrote up in Monday night's game. You're going right, to do Monday this to me? Game. Thursday nights or Monday Thursday, night? Thursday night's game. Let's 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 hit. Okay, I was thinking about another guy, but let's let's hit Daniel Jones because <laughs> I need to get man, it out of the way. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I was more disappointed by Thursday night's loss than you were. I don't want to put put that into your. There's not. A, there's 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 a zero percent <laughs> chance that you were more disappointed with the loss. <laughs> I think we were both okay. encouraged. We were both encouraged by Daniel Jones' performance. I think there's no doubt about that. All right, all right. There you go. You you've you've let the cat out of the bag. Daniel yeah. Jones. Uh, obviously, the Week One performance was just a throwaway performance. The entire Giants team looked like absolute up. garbage uh, yeah. against Denver. They did not show up. But uh, Week Two, they've already played their second game Thursday night against a, what was expected to be a pretty good Washington football team defense. You mean fifty nine uh, points wasn't what we thought would happen in that game? I mean, the, the over-under was 41. And, you know, like, again, if you guys are, are paying attention to following along to the showdown breakdowns and to following along to the DFS information on the site, we were all over the over. We were all over the the Giants as, you know, 4-2 type underdog heavy build in that game. We really liked the Giants, but I did not expect 59 points. I did not expect Daniel Jones to play one of his best games of the season. Of and his then. His of his career, yeah. Sorry, of the, of of his career, yeah. He he really looked. Uh, he, he looked comfortable. He, no, he was great. Good. There's I no mean, way around it. It was great. He, especially yeah. in the second half, he was fantastic. And then, uh, and then the coaching staff lets him down. And then this, they just find a a very, as you you put it on Twitter, a very Giants way to lose the game. Um, so yeah, I, I've been very vocal about uh, my purchasing of of Daniel Jones. I've also been very vocal about buying not great quarterbacks hoping to find kind of the outlier, if you will, the the Josh Allen of the bunch that the the market is down on. Hopefully there can be a breakout. Um, where, where are we at with Daniel Jones? Because the market has completely fallen off. But I think I think at least uh, we can take encouraging signs away from Thursday's game. The read option looked great. He looks incredible as a runner. He might be a top five rushing quarterback in the league. Easy. I mean, uh, at least from a speed perspective, he is. Yeah. The, in, the, in, in, open, in open field, you know. Yeah, and on a straight line, Daniel yeah. Jones might be one of the best rushing quarterbacks oh, yeah. in the league. Uh so so what do we what do we have to take away from Thursday night's game and and is it a sign of things to come going forward or is this just a blip on the radar? You can see my face getting red, Cody. And so I'm gonna keep <laughs> I'm gonna keep this to the card market. I'm gonna keep this to Daniel Jones. Let's not get into the fact that uh Joe Judge just completely got outcoached in this game and they completely murdered themselves and they should have won that game 20 times over. And Darius Slayton should have caught the Okay, uh, I'm getting off to but uh yeah, Dan Daniel Jones. Um 
listen, as two people that are have pretty hefty Daniel Jones positions, I think we just have to be encouraged. And even week one, um, he did not lose in that game at all. He yeah. had one bad fumble, and you know that's what we've been uh, come to see with Daniel Jones. And even every time he carried the ball last week, which was a, uh, last night, which was a handful of times, I was just just pacing around my living room saying, "Don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble." And um, you know he didn't, so that was nice. And you know, I listen. I was taking a lot in best ball at the end of drafts because I want high rushing floor quarterbacks. And yeah. if Jason Garrett's actually going to call games like he did in the second half of last night, which was with some gumption, uh, pushing the ball downfield a little bit and trusting his quarterback to step up into the pocket and make throws. And Daniel Jones had that zip behind the ball. And this is why you, me and you liked him. He is a high floor rushing quarterback yeah. with a fantastic deep ball. Now, everything else in between that has been questionable. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But, you know, if we could see the other stuff just come together a little bit in an offense that isn't a complete disaster – uh, we know he has the goods to be a solid quarterback. And I know that's a lot of ifs, but you know, listen, all I want to say, let's, let's take a step back. Let's be encouraged by the performance so far. And, you know, we have a matchup coming up against Atlanta next week that he has one more chance to really take another step forward before the schedule really toughens up from there. So I'm in on Daniel Jones still, as far as a buy, especially after his market tanked. And, you know, I, I, I obviously I'm biased as a giant fan. I want him to succeed. I'm not moving any of my stuff as of right now. Yeah, I had I have enough just just base and you know all all of, all of the cheap Daniel Jones stuff. I've got a large enough position there that I wasn't really actively looking to buy after week one. But I saw his cards going as cheap. His base PSA ten, right? And I know the pop count's really getting high on that card now. But his base PSA ten going for seventy five dollars on eBay auctions after that week one loss. Crazy. And I I mean I did I had no no need to buy at that point. But it's just like oh my gosh, we've really fallen. I mean it, we were we were reaching truly reaching like Drew Lock levels of of just. Yeah completely giving up on this guy and at least uh, this not guy's playing yet. every snap compared to lock you know <laughs> at least he's playing yeah. <laughs> it's, I, i'm not there yet as you mentioned the jason garrett thing uh play calling in the second actually his first drive was incredible i don't know if that was yeah, just oh, scripted. So, no that's the the, the one thing he can do he, he, he could <laughs> he could script he create a, a, a beautiful script a beautiful first draft script it's like, uh okay. and then you know they 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 had a lull during the game where they, it's like oh my gosh we're just back to back to regular old jason garrett and then he, he looked incredible for the second half so uh you know the one the one biggest question mark that we had going into the offseason we were pretty encouraged about the weapons kenny galladay sterling shepherd back into the slot which is clearly his natural position he looks oh, incredible he looks great uh you know the the draft picking Kadarius tony obviously he hasn't played much but uh if necessary Kadarius tony is there right uh you have to be encouraged about that he, he does exist and then uh darius slayton who is probably just a younger version of kenny galladay so uh um, you know I, we, you know if, if kenny galladay at least could catch the ball at the, in his time in detroit he couldn't last night but uh you know darius slayton is the most frustrating guy man he makes the yeah. most beautiful catches and then drops the balls in his hands it's Oh man, it's I had Evan Ingram like chills spines flashbacks down my my spine oh my last gosh, night that, when he dropped that, that ball. Game. Yeah. I knew, I knew the second he dropped that ball, the Giants were losing that game. I didn't think it was gonna happen in the fashion it did, but I knew they were losing that game. And uh, it was almost it was almost too poetic how they lost that game with with getting the the suck out on the missed field goal only to have jumped off sides, which probably wasn't actually wasn't offsides really anyway. Offsides. Yeah, it <sighs> actually it, it was it was really just a microcosm of the entire game because every single time the Giants did something well, they immediately did something poorly or had something taken away. So it yep. was, you know, that's that's what happened, right? They they got lucky, they missed the field goal, immediately jumped off sides, made the field goal. It's just that was the entire game. So yeah, they had that game one. They, I, I actually think they were the better team last night. Yeah, and um, yeah, the coaches, the coaching staff, and special teams just, just screwed them. They screwed All right, them, so. hold, hold on, Daniel Jones. Don't completely throw in the towel. If you, if you've made it this far with us, there's no reason to after, after yesterday, you know, to try and offload any position. I guess if things go nuts because people like us are like, oh yeah, we're, we're back on the Daniel right. Jones bandwagon. Right. Maybe take a little profits off the table if you bought low enough. But I don't, I don't see his market spiking 
nearly that much. So hopefully we've got some time left on Daniel Jones still just uh, just from that 2019 Prism class. Maybe we've got a few years left before the wheels entirely fall off. One guy that I am considering throwing the entire panic button behind is Lamar Jackson. I've written up Lamar Jackson on Monday night against the Raiders. Fully expected them to win that game. Fully expected them to go into Las Vegas, not have any issues putting away this, this Raiders team. And I think they just got outclassed. Uh, they looked good for a while, but that offensive line, he was pressured on 44% of his dropbacks. The receiving core is completely banged up. Now Marquise Brown's status is in question for week two. Uh, they've got a Chiefs team that comes in as 3.5 point road favorites. Like, I just think this might be a, a situation where injury situations have piled up on the Ravens and they just won't be able to overcome them. Ronnie Stanley looked like he was getting completely worked by players that I thought were less than. Uh, I just don't, I don't really feel good about any position on the Ravens entire roster outside of Lamar Jackson. So if yeah. Lamar Jackson's going to be a one man show, I don't know if this is a uh, situation where I'm, if I've got any Lamar Jackson and I know I took him in our dibs draft, like I don't really feel great about that at this point. Can you talk some sense into me uh, on Lamar Jackson? Or are you in the same situation, uh, same boat as me? kind of panicking uh where the Ravens Ravens team might be this season unfortunately we're in the same boat um I just has one of those feels that this is like everything yeah. going wrong for this team despite the talent and uh you know the other thing was I actually bet on the Raiders in that game to, to win money line I just I thought you know first game ever I kind of had that feeling going into the season first game sure. ever with fans sorry in Vegas I kind of going into this I had that feeling going into the season about Baltimore and I hate to say this because like obviously we know the talent but you know, when he has a ball in his hands down, needing to go win a game, he just doesn't exude the confidence, at least this season, that I feel like he's about to take him down the field and win a game. And yeah. like, it's a shame because I love him as a player. We he, obviously he's only two years separated from an MVP season, but it's just it's not there for me right now. And like, I would love for him to prove him, prove prove both of us wrong, uh, and you know, put that Ravens team on his back in a way that Russ or Mahomes can, you know, and keep them competitive despite their uh, shortcomings and despite their bad luck. But I just am not feeling that right now for this team. You know, there's the Browns in their division. There's the Steelers in their division with a great, great defense. There's the Browns with a great all-around roster. And I just I just don't know what the path is for this team to have real, real success this year. So, yeah, I'm scared of Lamar from if I'm holding any, which luckily I'm not uh, from a card perspective. Yeah. But uh, I'm scared. I'm definitely scared. You might, you might have a little bit of a long-term hold on your hands if this gets out of control too quickly. Yeah, it did. It didn't seem like the the market overreacted too much to Monday night's game, and that may right. be just be a a small microcosm of the fact that that game was actually entertaining. It was uh, nationally it was broadcast. A great game, great, great game. game. I was oh, crazy, crazy endings like multiple times. <laughs> yeah, know? it's just the the, the primetime island games have been incredible this year. Yeah, given some of the some of the duds that looked like they don't were worry. Jaguars be... Bengals only like two weeks away for Thursday night. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I just don't think the markets reacted enough. So if you're kind of in the same position that Gary and I are in and you've got some Lamar uh, or you've, you've got Lamar on dibs and you want to quickly sell before, you know, maybe the, maybe the wheels fall off of this Ravens roster. You know, coming into the season, we were both pretty excited, I think, about what the Ravens did. They they brought in Sammy Watkins, who looked good in week one, as Sammy Watkins does. They brought in Rashad Bateman via the draft, and he looked like he could potentially be the wide receiver one. I think Marquise Brown showed us a little bit in week one as well. He looked good, but now he's banged up. It just seems like every skill position they're they're running through injuries, and now we've got offensive line question marks. I, you know, as yeah. mentioned, uh, I, I don't feel great about this about this team. But as you mentioned, with the long term hold, I do have faith in yeah. the Ravens coaching staff. I have faith in the Ravens front office. I have faith in Lamar Jackson. So maybe, it, as you mentioned, this is a long term hold. If if this is just a one one year uh, sort of dip. 
Yep. Maybe you've got yeah. a buying window. I Maybe totally you agree. You know, them. they just might be a 2022 team and that's fine. And yeah. you, you know, you and I, I think are both, and, and hopefully this doesn't, you know, rub our listeners the wrong way too much, but I think we're both pretty optimistic people. So I think we, we yeah. recommend buys more than we don't. And I think the fact that we're both hitting, sitting here, basically telling you we would sell Lamar for 2021 if you need the liquid uh, is, you know, says something. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really it uh, on Lamar. I had another point, but I can't remember it right now. So uh, let, let's move on from, from there. Unfortunately, I don't think, oh, I know what it was. So yeah, I mean, the, the, they've just had terrible luck. I mean, you know, obviously they've lost, they've lost both of their uh, two starting running backs. They lost Jimmy Smith in the same press. They lost yep. Gus Edwards. Uh, you know, how about this? I went zero RB basically in my main uh, home <laughs> league. And I, and my two running backs going into the season were Gus Edwards and Raheem Mostert. So uh, I'm, I'm sitting pretty uh, there, but uh, <laughs> you know, that it's just, that's football for you guys. You know, we're, you know, some teams are just not going to have it and the luck might tell you it from week one. And I think Baltimore might be that might be that team this year. All right, we didn't talk about any rookies. Uh, we had a few rookie debuts. A few rookies look good. A few rookies not see the field. A few rookies, well, a few rookies kind of see the field. <laughs> and and a few rookies not look so great. You wanted to do a quick rookie QB draft. We've got products coming out. Uh, do, do you have, I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have a product list of when to expect actual rookie I can, cards? I can get something up, no problem. Uh, we just had the 2020 Panini Donruss release. Not Donruss mm -hmm. Optic, just straight Donruss, which is basically the same as Optic, but all paper. It's kind mm -hmm. of like uh, the Bowman to the Bowman Chrome. Uh, but within that release, it was a better one for this year because they did put the coveted downtown insert in there, which is a fantastic insert that people covet. So, uh, you know, you'll see the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance of the downtown, which is a, is a, is a great looking card. So that was the one that just came out. Let me, t let me get up the, the card release calendar while we kind of set this up. I thought it would be a fun exercise for us to kind of go back and forth and talk a little bit about the first round rookie quarterbacks for this year. Yeah. With, with just the two of us, we've basically got four of the five quarterbacks going to be drafted if we do a two round draft. So obviously Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. So one of those guys is going to be the odd man out and it's going to feel pretty bad about himself not getting drafted by the illustrious established collection podcast. That's true. But hopefully we, we get some products soon. Uh, we can get our hands on some products soon because I think there are some takeaways from week one and just playing time and how coaching staffs are handling these, these quarterbacks. I think there's going to be some edges to be had in terms of uh, finding which ones to get our hands on early at the cheapest price tag. So uh, with that, when can we expect, do you have anything in front of you yet when, when we can expect products? Yeah, so we just had the Don Russ football come out about last week. Uh, next week, or in a couple of weeks, it looks like we have Origins football, which is a solid product. Uh, it doesn't get too much love except for around the time of release. So it looks like we do have some time before we have some real, real football releases. I, I think that's kind of more of a testament of Panini being backed up still. But uh, I think we're looking more at, and we don't have set release dates for some of this stuff yet. So we're looking more at the end of October, early November for some of the er good football stuff to come out, like Mosaic and Prism, everything like that. So once that stuff does come out, obviously, we will be looking at uh, we will have a good sample size under our belt of what these quarterbacks have done, which is which is great. Beautiful. All right. I'm going to give you the one on one since you recommended the pick and I want you to I want you to have to pick last. So uh, go for it. Who's, who's your one on one? Yeah. So, and I want to, I want to preface this by saying, I'm looking at these picks as short and long-term plays. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it, I think all of these guys will eventually see the field bar, maybe one, if things go exactly right for that team um, this season. So uh, I, I, this is my overall take on this guy as a, as a card 
and as a market. Uh, so I think one one has to be Trevor Lawrence. And yeah. I and you know I think it's kind of a no-brainer. I think we're going to see a lot of games like we saw in week one. We're going to see, a, I almost see a Peyton Manning-esque rookie year with a kind of sprinkling the modern day NFL offense. So obviously the upside of the touchdowns and the yards, but we're going to see a lot of picks as well. Uh, that said, we'll see him flash plenty with, you know, I think we, I think everyone knows the Jaguars are just starting this thing up. I don't know how much faith I have in urban Meyer, but I do have faith in the the talent that is Trevor Lawrence to be as advertised. So uh, give me the safer pick. Give me that, you know, generational type talent at the one-on-one in Trevor Lawrence. I'm happy to get any of the cars I can get my hands on and hold and grade long-term. Yeah, I think the uh, nut run out for you would just be if Urban Meyer goes to USC and, and yeah. you get rid of that, you I get agree. rid of that situation that immediately. Was a, that was a bad start for Week One for Urban. Oh man, yeah, losing losing to the Texans was not great for yeah. Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, obviously Week One rookie quarterback, not too worried about that. No, uh, I think things set up well for me here because I've got the two picks that are kind of obvious. If you're if you're at all involved in fantasy Twitter, you know the next two picks are going to be Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Yep. In no particular order, because they're kind of the obvious, uh, you know, uh, in terms of dual dual quarterback, dual threat quarterbacks that have the type of market marketability that's going to drive their card markets. I believe there's another guy I think that's on this list that's a step above the other guy. Uh, so we'll see which direction you go and if you agree with me. But I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are uh, clear tier two behind Trevor Lawrence ahead of this next group of guys that you've got to pick from. Yeah, I think that is, you know, the answer there. They both are dual threat. They have high rushing floor. I'm really excited for Justin Fields to get in there. Uh, I think, yeah. right? Like, you know, I, I think the, the Niners are going to be okay either way if they can at least just – their injury luck has been terrible the last couple of years. But uh, I am excited about what Shanahan has going on this year, and Garoppolo looked pretty good in week one. Uh, I think Lance will get sprinkled in, but he's – you know, hopefully he gets the field uh, towards the end of the season. But either way, long term, I'm excited about him. But Fields, man. I think he's you know, from a fantasy perspective, especially like I think he's just got this this upside that we're we're really excited about. He's kind of like it's underrated that he has like almost a Cam Newton type frame, you know. Yeah, and it's so, it's exciting. So one thing I will say, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how quickly Fields is going to find the field, uh, but I would worry about that Chicago front office. I would totally. worry a little bit about that Chicago coaching staff. I don't. I don't know a lot. None of these, hardly any of these rookie rookie quarterbacks step into perfect situations ever, right? But I would worry a little bit about Fields' situation just long term. Can that Chicago coaching staff, can that Chicago front office put a contender around him? Whereas Lance, once he touches the field in that Kyle Shanahan offense with the team that's built around him, I think that that's kind of immediate success, right? I think that that a lot of people believe that. That's why Lance is kind of the, the you know the popular best ball pick this offseason, just in the in the sense that once he sees the field, there's going to be success there. I think it'll be success in terms of being able to put up numbers, but I also think it'll be success in terms of finding his way into playoff games too. So uh, I guess if if I'm going to be forced to pick which one was my you know 2.01 versus my you know my my second round pick versus my or my first round pick versus my second round pick i think i would lean lance ahead of fields if i had to yeah fair enough i think for a long-term outlook that's totally fair i think short term i'm obviously more bullish on fields long-term lance uh so anyway uh, that, <laughs> that leaves me with a tough decision here right and I, I i mean i think there are arguments to be made both ways and obviously i'm talking about zach wilson uh versus mac jones mm-hmm. and you know that is new york versus boston tale as old as time and um, I'm going to I think I'm going to surprise some people here, but I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with the more upside play from a flash perspective. When you mix New York market, which mm-hmm. is above the Boston market, in my opinion, 
as yes. at least from a from an upside perspective, from a hobby perspective. And you mix just if if he does get surrounded with the right pieces and right coaching staff, you mix that that talent, that arm strength, you know, the gunslinger. Give me the gunslinger over the quote unquote game manager. And I'm not saying Mac Jones is a game manager. I know how talented he is, but I think any success that Mac Jones has will be uh, with 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 a huge core around him, with that perfect stable base built around him, where sure. I think Zach Wilson would be the one propelling the Jets to any success. And I don't know if either team will actually get there. Mac Jones is probably a lot closer than Zach Wilson is. But I wanted to, you know, this, and maybe this is just the kind of investor I am. High risk, high reward. High risk, but, high reward. Uh, I, I will take Zach Wilson with my last pick here, which I think is probably the unpopular pick amongst most people. But I like that upside. I love that arm. I've always been a little bit higher on him than it seems like the DFS community and fantasy community has been. And I'm a New Yorker. I hate the Jets, actually. But uh, I, I hate Boston even more. So uh, give, give, me Zach, <laughs> give, give me Zach Wilson. Uh, I, it's a tough decision, though. I, I think all five guys are solid bets. Doesn't it just say something about what we should expect Zach Wilson's market to be when we get Prism, when we get Mosaic, when we get these these actual flagship products? Isn't doesn't it just say something about his market that he's he was the second overall pick? He's in the New York market. He has that downfield ability, big big arm. Uh, actually, has some dual dual threat ability that people uh, kind of underestimate just because we've got Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence even has some dual threat ability. But Zach Wilson can take off and run too. Doesn't that just say something about his market, what we should expect of it coming out when products are released? He's not going to be, uh, I think, a sought after card in this, in, you know, when, when products are released, because I think so many people are going to be chasing Lawrence and Fields and Lance. I think he is going to going to kind of be the forgotten guy. And you might have even taken a contrarian take, taking him over Mac Jones. Yeah. So just speaking sure to when products actually come out, then, man, I mean, we might get Zach Wilson kind of cheap, you know, just just Herbert style especially from a New York being a New York quarterback. And like, I was encouraged with what I saw. I just didn't look amazing. And he was getting, he had six sacks, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that offensive line is a concern, especially with Becton going down. But um, if they could just keep him upright enough, I'm encouraged by the raw natural talent that I, 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 yeah, the Herbert style. Like I I was betting on Herbert's talent before anyone even knew that he was that I'm not saying Zach Wilson is going to be Justin Herbert. He is not going to be Justin Herbert. I can tell you that right now, but I do love the idea of taking the gunslinger, taking that modern day dual threat type quarterback um, over the guy that also has a ton of talent, but isn't the purely gifted guy that Zach Wilson is. Uh, I'll, I'll take that chance with that last pick, even if it comes back to bite me in the long term. That's yeah. that's that's my thought there. I'm with you. All right, do you want to get into some week two DFS? Yes, let's do it. All right, we've uh, absolutely. So the reason we wanted to talk about week two DFS today is because DraftKings not dropped another kind of one of these one of these uh, collectibles slash DFS large field tournaments that we have some interest in. We've mostly kept it to sports here, and we're going to use DFS as kind of a keeping it to sports here. This isn't really a sports collectible, but if you're on DraftKings, they have a $100 buy-in for a Board Ape Yacht Club Ape for first place. So what does that mean? If you guys aren't aware of what a Board Ape is, you need to check it out. You've probably seen the avatars on Twitter, uh, but you guys need to check out what the board apes are. If if you've been familiar with the NFT community and, and Gary and I are by no means NFT experts, but we've been playing around in these streets, especially with, you know, the, the owner's club coming out recently with NBA top shot. But uh, what, what board ape, what the board ape yacht club is, is basically a collection of 10,000 profile pictures that were minted as NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain. And it kind of follows the same general principle of, you know, the CryptoPunks. It's one of these that's randomly generated uh, digital items that, you know, basically you get certain uh, attributes assigned to your ape, uh, again, randomly generated 
that then create some sense of rarity as I'm trying to talk through this thing, probably sounding like an idiot. All of you, all of you NFT experts out there are probably like, Jesus, this guy knows You not. make perfect sense to me, Cody. <laughs> so anyway, uh, DraftKings has secured an ape that they're giving away to whoever wins first place in this contest. And as you can see, it's basically first or last. Uh, first place gets a board ape that is valued at around, what, $170,000, I would say, at, at the current like moment. That. And second place gets two grand. <laughs> so quite a stark <laughs> drop off. There's 2,020 entries. Again, $100 buy-in fee. You're playing for the rights to an ape. And shall you win, that ape will be transferred from DraftKings to your wallet. And it's then yours to do with what you want. You can set it as your avatar on Twitter and, and flex to all of your online friends. You can sell it immediately for cash uh, or Ethereum, whatever you choose to do. But uh, Gary and I talked about it off air. It's, it is a collectible. Uh, it's not a sports totally collectible, is. but it, it is kind of one of those blue chip NFTs that we're interested in that we think has upside. And we wanted to kind of build a DFS lineup around that and hopefully take this bad boy down and, and split the profits 50-50 when we do. So with that said, I've done my kind of preliminary week two DFS research. I know you've been grinding your GPP research. You're max entering yep. the week two Millie Maker. So I think you're probably ready. Do you want to kick things off? Do you have a stack in mind? Do you have some low on running backs you want to start with? Where where's your where's your week one week two leverage point kicking off well, point? Let's let's talk it through quickly, just because we have four four o'clock Eastern games that are all over 50 points, right? And that's yeah. going to be the interesting uh point of this slate, the interesting pivot point of the slate. Which ones do you address? Which ones do you go to? Do you try to get pieces of all of them? How do you want to go about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about this. I think this will be my only ape entry because, you know, listen, I'm seeing apes everywhere. I, it's planet of the apes <laughs> out there on Twitter. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I feel left out and these apes are worth a ton of money. And I like that. I do like that DraftKings does things like this. They did the, we've seen them do some CryptoPunk stuff. Uh, we're seeing they've the- done Luka, They've here. done a Luca card. A Luka, they did a Luka, Luka Auto. card, PSC. Yep, 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 yep. Totally. So, um, no, uh, you know, let me throw it back to you. I, I have some ideas and and maybe we, we spoke about- uh, oh couple of these guys earlier but um you know i I'm, I'm in on russell wilson in seattle this week if you know a little bit about me as a gpp player i love spending up a quarterback i i'm all yeah. in on that theory uh so that's that's kind of what i like him I, I obviously the dallas chargers game uh is also something to look at so do, do you have a preference there yeah as we talk through this quickly there's actually two guys on this week's slate that are probably the most popular and have massive card markets that we didn't talk about. And that's Dak Prescott. And obviously the King from the 2020 class, Justin Herbert, yep. that game is going to be, I would imagine you agree with me that the, that game is going to be massive chalk unless hard, hard to avoid though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I do agree with you that I like the Russell Wilson Titan stack too, mm -hmm. uh, with the Titans bring back. I think we can kind of get away with that with some yep. more uh, higher ownership at the running back position and sure. kind of build a, build out a more balanced uh, lineup from an ownership perspective. But then I, I'm also with you paying up the paying up at the quarterback position. Is there a quarterback on the slate that's got more upside and probably more raw scoring potential than the $8,200 Kyler Murray? Uh, maybe not, maybe not. And we, we spoke at, you know, we spoke at nauseum about him before and that upside and, you know, Minnesota, um, you know, looked beatable last week. Yeah. And it's, in, it's in Arizona. And I bet you he comes with less ownership than all those guys. So I'd have no problem going that direction too. Uh, we get so you, you, you tell me, I want you to make the call on quarterback. We'll build it from there. I'm, I'm looking cool at going Herbert. I'm cool going Wilson. I'm cool going Murray. I'll tell you this between Herbert and Dak. A uh, little secret to everyone. I'm much bigger on Herbert this week uh, than, than Dak is, you know, at home for the Chargers. Uh, I think the $100 difference with the softer matchup, I like Herbert a lot more to have, have a ceiling game than I do Dak. 
home quarterback, home favorite. Uh, Keenan Allen looks like he's going to be an absolute monster. They've got Mike Williams. They've got Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Let's start with Herbert nice, because I'm with like you. That. I think we can find ways to be different, and I think there's enough. Uh, ownership's going to be flat at running back. Let's just say that much because there's enough positions with upside that I think if we're worried about the cumulative ownership of our lineup, that we can get a little bit different at running back uh, or maybe maybe our, our bring back or tight end and we can kind of get get a little bit different here. So I want to yeah. ask you, in these fields where there's about 2,000 people, you don't need to have the the stone nuts, right? You don't need to have the the perfect lineup like you would in a millimaker. Are you willing to double stack Herbert here? Would you single stack with a bring back? What's your preferred strategy here with, with Justin Herbert in your lineup? Uh, obviously, you, I think you need at least a single stack. I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with the double stack as well. Um, and I think, you, I think you can get contrarian within the chalk, right? So like even on the bring backs, I don't think you would necessarily have to go directly to the Cooper Lambs, although you might want to in a 2,000-person field. But I'm huge on somebody like Zeke this week, who I think is that mid-tier running back at 6,200, who it, the Chargers are much more beatable on the – that was, I don't know, right English but are, are much easier to beat on the ground and I think people will be maybe fading off him a little bit with those chalky receivers and uh you know he's still out snapped Tony Pollard by 50 snaps last week so that's somebody that I'm interested in just to get a little bit different uh that's more from a GPP full-on perspective I don't know if you need to do that in a 2000 uh person contest so to me it looks like ownership at let's just let's just keep it with the Chargers here quick I think the ownership on the Chargers wide receivers is actually going to be Somewhat manageable. Uh, yeah. And in fact, I think we're getting Mike Williams at pretty low ownership because there's so many guys in that $6,000 price range yep. that are going to be there. We're not playing Mike Williams for his median projection right now. We're not playing no. him for to score 15 points. We're playing him for the big upside, the deep passes, the two touchdowns. I think we start there. I think that I gives us a, a pretty low ownership. And then if you want to like double, it. I think the obvious guy to bring back is probably one of the best wide receivers on the entire slate. And that's Keenan Allen. Um, you uh, know if what? you want to double stack, you, I perfectly think we should okay do it. with that. I think we'll find some cheaper running backs or mid-tier running backs that we can mix in here to I keep think it cheap. I it. guess I'll kick it back to you. Do you do you want to bring it? Do you want Zeke to be the, be the bring back, or do you want to go with one of those uh, Lamb Cooper types? I mean, I think if we're going full on double stack, it might make sense to go with one of the receivers, especially in the yeah. smaller field. I'm big. I'm huge on Zeke uh, from a GPP perspective this week. I'm going to be way above the field on him in 150s. But I do think in a in a format like this, it probably makes sense to go to Cooper or Lamb. Uh, I, I would say. I think I think Cooper being $400 more expensive and projecting about the same is going to come in with low lower ownership than Lamb, especially in a small field tournament where more people will be hand building. Uh, as opposed to just jamming optimizers. So uh, I say we we plug in Cooper there. I know we're going to start getting restrictive here with salary, but right. let's let's plug that in and we'll figure out where we can go yeah. from there. Yeah, we no, won't, we like won't build this thing out entirely. I think we've got to stick with DraftKings guidelines and not build an entire lineup, but we'll give, we'll give you guys fine. an idea of what our show let's, is going to be. Let's, uh, I think we need to, we know we need to go to one of the mid to lower tier running backs. So let me go yeah. you where my head's at. Uh, I love Chase Edmonds this week at 4,900. Yes, yes, I love, yes. I love that Kenyon Drake now should draw some ownership from him. I'm not going to be touching Kenyon Drake in that range against Pittsburgh, at least not in tournaments. The ceiling isn't there for me. And also we, know the Ronald Jones talk has been there from Arians so I like Edmonds in that range to hopefully get the ownership drawn away from him from those two other guys surrounded him so that's the cheaper running back that I would be going to yeah absolutely I'm 100% with you we know we need to get very different now we're we're probably rostering one of the higher owned stacks Um, again I don't expect Mike Williams to draw a ton of ownership but we're rostering one of the higher owned stacks on the slate we know we need to get different at running back let's start there $4,900 Chase Edmonds. I think we've got about $4,600 left with uh, probably a cheap tight end, a cheap defense mixed in there. So uh, we're kind of free to do what we want here. We know we're probably priced out of uh, the Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook range. 
but I think we can kind of do what we want in that 6K range at running back. Is Does anybody else stand out to you, or do you have a play at tight end that you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, at the 6K range in running back, uh, I've kind of debated this all week with myself between that Harris, Zeke, Montgomery, Carson tier. Uh, I'll let you know this of how I feel about Carson. And this probably, again, I'm such a GPP player that my mind goes to big field. Uh, <laughs> excuse me for that, honestly. But uh, Carson's someone that I honestly avoid in those in those matchups, especially when the Shane, these new Shane Waldron offenses. I don't love his ceiling for these types of games. I think he's a fantastic floor player, fantastic floor back, but uh, I don't love his ceiling. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't fit into a lineup like this where we're kind of banking on the receiving ceiling. But Montgomery is another guy. Uh, he has continued to surprise us for what is now going on like nine or ten straight weeks, right? Uh, I like all those guys. Najee Harris is going to be mega chalk. Um, you know, I, I, I could take it anyway with that, that mid-tier 6K running back range. Yeah, I think we still need to stay away from getting too chalky in this lineup and, yep. and the fact that this is basically a winner-take-all type field. Um, I think we need to be mindful of that. And with that said, I think we go with with uh, David Montgomery. I like it. The like it role for him has just been incredible. Um, I, I don't think there's too much to take away from their loss against the Rams in, in terms of efficiency, but uh, you know, getting a, a Bengals team where the game should project to play much closer. And if the Bengals do pass more, we get more more play volume for the Bears. Certainly Absolutely. excited about David Montgomery this this week and this season. I think there's plenty of upside there at 6,100. And Great. with with as many guys that are priced around him, the ownership that we have projected for him on Establish the Run might even be a little bit high. I agree. And, you know, I'll say this just from a card market perspective. If, if you know, I was so encouraged to see him come out of the gate in a tough matchup last week and continue to roll. And, you know, we know running backs don't have that high of upside, but once Justin Fields comes in there and if the Bears start to kind of be a little bit of more of an exciting team from a aesthetic perspective from a fantasy perspective you know that's one of those running backs that again those those prices are never going to blow you out of the water but if you want to buy low in bulk and you continue to see him you know you think you continue to see him roll and that chicago team surprises you know it's somebody that you could you could see some opportunity uh arise from a card perspective there's no doubt about it yeah i'm with you all right let's let's give the people a tight end we'll have a we'll have a nice little shell here and you get we can leave flex and dst to I, your imagination I, I got i got a name for you since we have so right. secondary correlation we have edmonds in there mm -hmm. uh tyler conklin if we're trying to go really cheap here uh 3200 obviously has been it was on field for 59 snaps last week had four catches for 41 yards we know they're pretty thin behind Thielen and jefferson both we like that game environment we like the correlation to me that's the cheap tight end that i would go to in this particular lineup Yep, let's do it. Yep. So now we have uh, 4,600 average left. I think we're going pretty cheap at defense. Uh, you tell me where you want to cut this thing off. <laughs> let's cut it there because I think we can we can leave the rest of it to the people's imagination. Yep. I think we actually have a little bit of secondary correlation we could do there with Montgomery with some guys that we like from the Cincinnati receiving core. I agree. And then, I mean, whatever, whatever fits uh, at DST, as you guys know, we're, we're not too worried about where we go with there. There's very little correlation between projection and actual fantasy points scored at the defensive position so as long as you're not just eating chalk there i think you're in pretty good shape but this is uh this is a good shell of a lineup that i think we can use to try and take down an ape and excuse me for my poor explanation of what an ape is i encourage you guys to check them out if you're brand new to the nft world and are coming at this from a sports car world there are blue chip nft projects out there that i think are going to continue to hold value long term and yep. hopefully we can mix in some of our analysis on those type of items when it makes sense but Obviously, you know, as you guys would say, hashtag stick to sports. Yeah, well, well, absolutely true. But hey, the, the crossover <laughs> between Apes, NFT, OpenSea, and DK, we like it. And uh, yeah, listen, this lineup, you got to get different to win things like this. Usually yeah. I would try to go for one of those high-priced running backs. But in a, in a week like this, where there's so many 
potential true game stacks from a quarterback receiver perspective, it might not necessarily be what wins. Now, I, I'm going to have plenty of, of McCaffrey Cook. I don't want to make this too dfs but I'm going to have plenty of McCaffrey Cook and Kamara. Uh, but you got you to gotta have some uh, lineups that are going to have that $6,000 range running back with high-priced receivers. So, um, you know, this is a type of build that could win something like that this week, no doubt about it. I love it. I love this lineup. I'm going to PayPal you uh, my $50. That way, nice. when Let's we do, do ship this thing, when we do Hell ship yeah. this thing, you have no reason to not let me take half of this ape and set it as my profile picture because oh, that's exactly you, you what I'm me? going to do. We're going to – soon people will see both of us as in, in the ape field, and it'll be it'll be great. Uh, it'll be perfect. All right, guys. We, we really appreciate you being here. We're going to follow up quickly on Tuesday. As, uh, yeah. Just a, a peek behind the curtains. We're recording late Friday night as Gary got back from Vegas, and we're both very busy with football season. We're going to record again Tuesday night. Hopefully this episode gets up quickly. Uh, we'll record Tuesday night and go back over our uh, Dibs draft that we had with Adam Levitan from last week. So if you guys haven't checked that out, check that out. We've got some data from Dibs. We kind of want to show you guys how the card market reacted from the week one performances. And by then, we'll have some week two takeaways, hopefully, as well. And then we'll go into some more detail on on all of this stuff as well. Catch up on news and notes around the industry. Catch up on the Owners Club, where we had Justin Herzig on a couple episodes ago. The Owners Club has been a ton of fun. Shout out to me. I won 25 bucks in week one. I've got Did my lineup nice, set for week two. Congratulations. And shout out to Justin and the team at the Owners Club for some added utility, some added benefits to holders of the cards from, the pre- from week one, basically. They airdropped me a Tampa Bay quarterback card that is going to be in one of my main event lineups this week so nice. hell yeah Absolutely. thank you justin thank you toc team we really appreciate that uh continuing to reward the early adopters uh such a good time such a good time. it was it was fun to check my DraftKings lineups my FanDuel lineups I don't have any season long team so i'm not worried about that but then really none at all huh none at all not a single wow. one uh but then also check my toc lineups and see that i was winning 25 bucks as i had a down week in the DFS streets. So totally. if you guys haven't yet, check out TOC, the owner's yep. club NFT from own the mint, uh, and, own the and, moment. And do us a favor, check out dibs, our friends at dibs. You know, we we're excited yes. to revisit that draft uh, next week. We're going to keep that going throughout the season. Dibs are our good friends to the show. Now, uh, if you want to sign up for dibs, you haven't yet. We have a link that you can do for us through our show. It's dibs.app app.link slash etc uh you do that they know you come from us you show us some love and uh, we'd really appreciate that so dibs we're excited to to keep that content coming throughout the season great way to monitor uh all card markets all players markets but especially football guys as this season continues to progress and we'll drop that link in the show notes as well appreciate you guys for being here we went a little long but we haven't seen you for a while so we need to we need to get some stuff off our chest but totally uh with that said for gary i'm cody we'll see you later Enjoy week two.